0: Jensen presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with Keith Lowell Jensen. Hey, it's Keith Lowell Jensen. Presents the Keith Lowell Jensen Show with your host Keith Lowell Jensen, and that's me. I'm Keith Lowell Jensen, uh, and I am excited. I think this is episode number sixteen. We've still got our sponsor Burley Beverages with us, and somehow my producer Joe Honor, has stuck around. How are you doing, Joe? Good good yeah have you been drinking Burley soda all week
1: well not this one i've been saving it for tonight for oh big reveal
0: oh man i should have told you to go i didn't mean to make you hold <laughs> off i know joe joe just bought a house and it's all torn up he's like only got a bedroom and a garage to live in until he finished his fixing his house to his liking so i i've you know, depriving him of any of the pleasures in life is awful. I feel terrible. Go ahead, Joe. Crack open that burley. Which, what flavor are
1: you trying today? I got the uh, mandarin elderflower shrub.
0: I don't even know what elderflower is. What? What is, do you do? You know what an elderflower tastes like? I have no clue. Okay. Yeah. It's, man, they come up with some interesting stuff to put in these. And and it's a shrub, so this is like an old timey drink. It's kind of vinegary. As opposed to just the regular as, soda
1: syrups. As a concentrated syrup, it smells really good.
0: Okay. And you're doing yeah. what? You're mixing it, it with just soda, soda water. water? Yep. And, and no booze this week? No booze this week. All right. Got some ice cubes in there? Yep. All right. Should yeah, I give do you the final? audio? Let's take a sip. Oh, yeah. That's good. Okay, now can you tell me what elderflower tastes like, or is it overpowered by the mandarin?
1: No, it's uh, it's very balanced. Uh, I don't know. I taste like vinegar a little bit, but in a good way. Okay. I wasn't sure how that was going to be, if it was going to be like strong vinegar, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. I couldn't cool. tell you what elderflower tastes like. It doesn't taste like anything I've ever had.
0: And does this one have an alcohol-based recipe suggestion on the side again, like the other one did?
1: Yep. Yeah. One ounce of syrup, two ounce of spirits, and then top it off with your soda water.
0: So they just say spirits generic. What does that mean? As a non-drinker, I don't know that I understand
1: spirits. I mean, I'm assuming anything you want. In anything. So it would probably be good with some gin.
0: All right. Uh, cool. Well, Burley Beverages is our sponsor. Uh, they make artisanal gourmet soda syrups and old-timey shrubs. You can... Um, Go to burlybeverages.com and enter the discount code KLJRules, spelled with a Z. Uh, Again, they made me do that. I'm not out there tooting my own horn. Uh, (laughs) That'll save you 15% off of your order. Uh, Thanks, Joe. I hope your house gets together soon so you can stop cooking on a toaster oven in the garage. (laughs) Me too. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So, our guest today, uh, real excited to have. Ray Harrington joining us. Uh, Ray is a delightful stand up comedian. He performs all over the damn place when we're not, you know, in quarantine, uh, doing written material. He can improvise with the best of them. Ray has performed on Conan which is awfully cool. And he did a documentary I really loved called Be a Man that won the LA Comedy Festival before premiering exclusively on Hulu, where I believe you can still see it. Uh, His first album from Stand Up Records was called The Worst is Over. And uh, then he released Overwhelmed, which debuted at number one on Amazon and at the top of the Billboard Comedy Charts. Uh, Ray was named best comedian. Here's just a whole list of, of awards: best comedian by Providence Phoenix, was a finalist in the Boston Comedy Festival, was invited to host the International Film Apalooza Awards in Hollywood. Uh, Ray is also a filmmaker and was rewar- uh, sorry awarded best documentary at the LA Comedy Festival as well as the Snob Film Festival, and premiered his film "Be a Man" at the New York Comedy Festival. Ray has been heard on nationally syndicated radio along with Sirius XM uh, he's been on Conan Hulu ABC Fox TBS and SBS Australia and now of course he's on Keith Ol presents the Keith Ol show with Keith Ol which I'm sure is the greatest honor of them all hello Ray how are you
2: I am updating my website right now I'm including the credit uh, in the bio um, and I'm so sorry that you had to read all of that and, and I, I if I had known that you were just going to read the bio, I would have just said, you know, here's here's three things, and I I, just, no, I apologize. No,
0: I don't. I don't always read all of it, and I did. I edited a little in the beginning, uh, but that but I, I left in everything I was impressed with. Right, you've done a lot of cool stuff.
2: Oh, thank you. It's it feels like it, it's um. It if, doesn't it feel like there's like a, a a punctuation at the end of that statement? Like that's it.
0: You've done a lot of cool <laughs> You're stuff. Done.
2: Now it's over. No.
0: Take a rest. Uh, you know, pandemic came and wiped it all out. Now a new generation will come do cool stuff. You, and you I can are not... rest now. You can rest, rest. now. <laughs> we can breathe easy uh, unless we get COVID <laughs> and then we can't. Um, oh, that's, that's true. Yeah. But
2: thank you so much for having me. Uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is exciting. I'm, I'm already uh, looking forward to talking.
0: What? What? I'm talking right now. <laughs> it's late for you could me be, you could be looking forward to it uh and at it and even backwards at it all at the same time you That's are reminiscing about talking true. you're looking forward to reminiscing about talking while talking um yeah so i i want to i want to go back a ways uh to to baby ray i want to know where you started
1: oh, where were you born boy.
0: ray
2: where was I born? I was born I well I'm I was originally born in uh Connecticut. Um and uh and then I I really grew up in Maine. Um okay. I left Connecticut when I was oh my god. Uh the summer between second and third no, fourth Yeah, no, second and third grade. Um, so you were there long and, enough uh, to have
0: some memories of Connecticut?
2: Yeah, I have, a, I have a few. Um, and then, uh, I, I went to Maine and so I missed the, uh, the Maine accent. I think that's the thing. When I say I'm from Maine, people are like, I don't, right. I don't hear Maine, you know, cause they think everybody is, uh, from a Stephen King novel and, uh, yes. you know, a lot of up there and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't have that.
0: See, I had a New York accent as a kid, having never been there. But I was taught how to talk by two people from Brooklyn. So, yeah, it, yeah, really, yeah. it really depends on how you learn it. Um, so Connecticut's all just farmland, right? You grew up on a farm
1: in the beginning? I
2: grew up on a farm. Um, I lived in a small chicken shack. And uh, I had right. to fight for my, my dinner every day. Uh, but I heard you were the I best layer in the bunch. Yeah. And then I found out that meant something very different. And, uh, so I had a stern talk with the farmer. No, I, I grew up in, uh, just, you know, a very typical kind of place. I grew up in Newington, Connecticut, which is just a, you know, it's a suburb place, uh, outside of Hartford yeah. and, um, and then, uh, moved to Maine, um, and, and, you know, lived there in, uh, Kittery, Maine, which is the southernmost uh, town. And, uh, okay. you know, that's, uh, that's really where I have most of my memory. Connecticut just seems like a, like one big town to me. I just, when I think of Connecticut, it's just, it's, it's an amalgam of towns and, uh, and they're, they're all exactly what you would think they
0: are. So what was life like for you there in Maine? I, I, I've seen your documentary, Be a Man, Uh, really loved it actually. Um, thank you very much. You grew up in a house full of women.
2: I did. Yeah. So my, dad uh my mom and dad got divorced when i was i think one or, or less than one um i was so months definitely your fault oh for sure for sure i was a baby <laughs> born to fix a marriage that was doomed <laughs> uh and uh oh, so my mom and really? i was, it, um, was it,
0: is that true was it one of those situations where they're like well <laughs> things aren't going good maybe having a kid will
2: no, no. Now that I'm older, I, uh, you know, my mom doesn't like to talk about, oh my God, like anything, you know, she, my mom is, my mom is the type of person. Like if you're talking about a neighbor, I remember this happened. We were in the car when I was in like middle school and, uh, the topic turns to one of our neighbors and my mom said something about the neighbor, but when she said the neighbor's name, she whispered it. And I said to her, like, we are in the car. The windows are rolled up. No one's going to hear you. Um, So, yeah, I didn't get Not very forthcoming with some of the details of, of, uh, you know, of her marriage. Uh, But I I can definitely glean that um, my dad just never got his shit together. And he uh, not a not the not the not the coolest guy. Uh, So. I think it was for the best. Um, you know, I spent like a childhood thinking like, Oh, I, I wish, uh, I wish this didn't happen. You know, the typical thing of like blaming the parent. And then, uh, as I grew up, I was like, Hey, you know what? Thanks for doing that. Thanks for getting the (laughs) hell out of that situation. Um, yeah. And so we moved to Maine and I grew up with, uh, my, my mom as a single parent and, and, um, we kind of brought my, grandmother and my great grandmother up to Maine with us. Uh, so they, they started moving up, uh, along with us. And so it was really, my family growing up was just me. And then, uh, these three women, um, my mother, my <laughs> grandmother and my great grandmother.
0: And were you, uh, I want to ask if you were a funny kid, but also were, were you like a creative, like artistic kid? Uh, yeah, I, man,
2: funny kid makes me immediately think of, of the different kind of funny. Like, who he's a funny kid.
0: Right. <laughs> like or he's, he's a got funny a funny, kid. He's cool nice, or...
2: but I don't trust him alone with the other kids. Uh, right. but awesome. yeah, funny, I, no, I think, kid. I think I was normal. Uh, <laughs> I think I was normal. Uh, when I like, like during, you know, early, uh, like
0: elementary school stuff and so, then, so I'm a kid that knew you in elementary school, and someone tells me you're a comedian. Am I more likely to go, "I, oh, yeah, I see that," or "Ray, really?" I don't know. I, 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 it's tough because I, I didn't, I don't, I don't
2: know. I think maybe my, uh, like my family would have would have said like I was definitely performative then. Um, okay, I think I was more creative at that point. Uh, you know, getting really lost in. Uh, like playing and imagination stuff and, 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 you know, building scenes with micro machines and stuff like that. Nice. Um, uh, you know, definitely a, a, a voracious reader at that time. Um, and, uh, and then I think it was middle school. Uh, fifth grade was really when I learned that I was funny. Like it was a conscious moment of, you know, I moved to Maine Here I am, uh, I spent a couple of years in York, and then I moved to Kittery, and I was starting middle school with all these kids that were starting middle school, and I I remember I I saw these kids playing outside right when we moved, and uh, they were in the neighbor's yard, and I I turned to my mom with, like, determination, like I was about to go over the, uh, you know, over the line, Uh, uh, and and I said, I'm going out, I'm going to make friends. And, uh, and I just walked out there and just started talking to these kids and, um, started making them laugh. And it turned into that cliche of, you know, just a fifth grader putting on a show for these other fifth graders. And that's how I learned how to make friends with, with new kids. And, uh, and then it just sort of stuck from there. Um,
1: and then I think
2: once, once you do that enough, uh, it it's a, you know, it's a muscle. It's like another language. And you start to speak that sure. language. And, and, um, and now it's kind of all I know. I think it helped with my family. My, 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 the three women in my life were absolutely passive aggressive mutterers. And if okay. they were angry, if there was an argument between like my mother and my grandmother or my grandmother, or my great grandmother, whatever was going on, it was always so quiet. The art, uh, no yelling was happening. It was just, there's some sort of tension in the air. And one, of, one of them is like puttering around and like sort of muttering to themselves under their breath while they're doing that. And so I was the, I was just the dumb kid that needed to break the tension. And so, right. you know, calling them out on that, um, was the way to do it. And, uh, Ooh, this is fun. I'm this, we're 13 minutes in. I am, I'm on like the third uh, meeting of a of a, a, a therapy
0: session right now. This right. is right. I should have I should have had you uh, lay on the couch just to make sure you're comfortable. Yeah. Um, and did, did they give you? I mean, I imagine you must have gotten a lot of attention. You're the only kid in the house with three women. Did you get used yeah, to being I, the center of attention?
2: Yeah, I I never saw it as being the center of attention. It's just what I knew. Um, I think looking right. back, it was, it was like, oh, yeah, there was definitely, yeah, but it was, it's, it's tough because, you know, growing up with a, a single mom, it, it didn't feel like, Oh, the parents are giving me attention. That's an incredibly small family unit, you know, because like I lived with my mom, that was just the two of us. And my grandmother, uh, lived with my great grandmother, you know, taking care of her and things like that. And so um, you know, it was just uh, you know, the two of us, and then family stuff was the four of us, and so there was more oh, of a.
0: They, this wasn't our, all under the same roof.
2: No, there was like one year we were all under the same roof, and oh, uh, you okay. know that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so it, it felt more like a partnership in a lot of ways. Right. You know, I mean, my mom was the parent, and I was the child. But I think you know when there's a an only child and a single parent. Um, I think the barriers shift a little more, uh, sure. and you know, like and the idea of, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, it's, yeah, it, it I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it was different than most people, but I don't, it's, it's all I knew.
0: Now you're also so, yeah,
2: so to answer your question brutally. I, I was the center of attention. Um, and I, I often have a problem with, people not accepting that
0: <laughs> right <laughs> people didn't understand that's how it was meant to be yeah right see isn't that isn't it great now you go up there they they focus lights on you they magnify your voice it, you clearly won that argument
2: I think so yeah I think um I think you know I think every the, the cliche of every comedian being broken in some way um Mine's pretty clear, you know, I'm not a, a, I'm a, I'm a pretty clean cut person. I don't, uh, I don't do any hard drugs. I, uh, I stopped drinking very long ago. Um, but my flaw is definitely like, oh yeah, I, uh, uh, I have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, overthinking issues and then I can just go on stage and people can, um, approve of me. And then I go home and I go home and I go, nope. Nope. It's, it's, it's all clear. And it's in black and white. They approved of me.
0: Yes. I, I realized when I got to uh, where I was performing reliably, you know, pretty much every week, uh, all of a sudden I had no interest in going to parties anymore. I didn't want to do large social events. I did. I was like, why? I, Yeah. are they all going to focus attention on me at this and clap for me? Then why? I, I'll stay home and watch TV.
2: Yeah, I uh oh my god, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. I whenever I'm in a large uh social setting, if I find myself in in a situation where people don't know me or I don't know a lot of people there, I get this immediate feeling of like, man, I just want them to see like 5 minutes of me doing stand up and then then right. I can do this. Then I can talk to everybody. Um <laughs> because I think you just get to a point where suddenly the person on stage is more who you are
0: than the person off stage. Right. And that's when you're talking to people after a show. It's like, okay, good. I yeah. wowed you and impressed you. Now I'll stay here and talk all night. What do you mean you're going home? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we
2: already got through this. You approved of me. I'm fine now. I know yeah, that no you like else. me, so I don't have to worry about whether or not you like me.
0: Yep. And then they leave us. That's, Always they leave us, Ray. Right. Um, yeah, it's funny though. Every comedian is a little bit broken. Ah, uh, I think it's true of every postal worker as well. And every grocery store clerk, I think humans are just, I, I think, think everybody's broken. broken. Yeah. yeah everybody's um,
2: broken. It, the, uh, it's just the requirements change.
0: Yes. And you know, we, we, ours is bankable. <laughs> you know, if you're an artist, yeah. it's like, Hey, thanks parents for whatever delightful way you screwed me up. It's paying the bills.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, it's a a wonderful thing and a horrible thing. Um, anytime people ask me, because I'm you know I live in Rhode Island and um, you know so I'm not in New York, I'm not in L.A. and I, you know I run into a lot of people that are just like, so this is this is what you're doing, huh? This is wow, full time? Oh my <laughs> gosh! And they like they've heard of maybe one or two things, and they're always kind of taken aback by it. And and anytime someone asks me what it's like or how it's going. It's like when it's good, I feel like I'm tricking the system. And when it's not going well, I feel like I'm just unemployed with a very big hobby. That's it. Right. And I don't know if that goes away. I don't think it does. Yeah.
0: I couldn't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) When, uh, So when you're in, in junior high and in high school and you're discovering being funny, are you also a consumer of comedy? Were you reading Mad Magazine or watching Saturday Night Live? Or
2: Yeah, I, I consumed a ton of comedy, but never, never consciously. Never like, okay. I love comedy and I want to see how the sausage is made and I want to figure right. this out. It was never like that. I just consumed a ton of it. Like I, you mentioned Mad Magazine. I read Mad Magazine like every issue. I would read Mad Magazine. I was listening to stand up on cassette tapes uh, when I was very like young. It. Uh, it my, no, my first, uh, my first like stand up experience that I had was um, that I that I remember was in fourth grade. I bought a tape from a like used bookstore that had okay. tapes and all this stuff. And it was a George Carlin album. Oh, and, wow. That's a yeah. Great and I, it was, uh, oh my God, it was parental advisory. Um, it was the, I think that's what it's called. It was the one with just the big parental advisory sticker on it. Okay. And uh, I was hooked. I was just, I was drawn to that. Obviously, you know, fourth grade yeah. kids see that that big black label with the white lettering. Um, and I, I bought it. I don't know why they sold it to me, but I bought it and it was my, (laughs) you know, it was my, uh, allowance money or whatever it was, or, you know, birthday money, something like that. And I listened to that tape and my mom didn't listen to it ahead of time. She was pretty lax about stuff like that. And I'm, and I, I think it was more, um, I think she was less cool and more just kind of ignorant to what it may have been. Uh, and I, I started listening to that tape and so much of it, I had no idea what it was or why that particular thing was funny. And, you know, there's Uh a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there that is just, uh, not fourth grade friendly at all, but I (laughs) liked it. And I just started listening to it over and over and over. Um, and then after that, I, kids in the hall was a big one for me. Um, I started watching comedy central uh, and they would show just a lot of um, a lot of rerun stuff after school. So I would go home and I would watch Comedy Central, and uh, kids in the hall like really uh, got under my skin, it got into my brain. And I like my so entire great. sense of humor comes from that.
0: I, I would say they're the most consistently good uh, ensemble like, like comedy troupe ever. I, I'll put them up against Monty so Python. Early Saturday Night Live, anyone just so like consistently fantastic. Oh,
1: I I and I, I even like the
0: movie.
2: Oh my god, brain candy, come on. It's so it's so good. It's so good, I, and it's and it, it, especially in spite of knowing what was going on behind the scenes and there was a rift happening, and right, um, you know, and the fact that none of them are happy with it is is heartbreaking because I think there's some really great stuff in there. Um, think, and I'm just so happy I mean, that they're still doing stuff.
0: I think there was a big mistake in marketing it where they tried to release it as a, like, like their jump into the mainstream. And I think if they would have released it in like the art house theaters, it would have been a much bigger hit and seen as a success. I, yeah, don't think I they, mean, it's, it's almost destined, it destined
2: to, to be a cult. Yeah. It. It, it, it's it, yeah, it is. It's destined to be a cult thing. It's, I mean, that's, yeah. I, but I, would it feel any more genuine, though, if it were a, a huge hit? I mean, it's the kids in the hall. There's there's that very kind right. of punk mentality to them, um, you know, uh, that is just – it's sewn into the fabric of who they are. Um, you can feel the, you know, the, the late-night Toronto – comedy scene thing of like we're gonna do this thing in a theater. I think that never went away from what they made. And I think that's really special. I I I adore those guys. Now did you hear they're coming back? Oh I definitely heard they're coming back. I have a um I have a just the biggest soft spot for kids of the hall. So I'm a huge fan. Um read the book. Book is fantastic. Um talked to I them a little the bit book. about doing Oh yes. Uh, it's a fantastic book. And and I wish I remembered the name of it off the top of my head. Um, I recommend That's it. It's kind enough. of like a, it's like an oral history kind of deal. Um, it's, it's so interesting. You got, you got to talk to them. You were saying, uh, I yeah. So I interrupted you. Oh no, no. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, so <laughs> I worked with, um, Kevin McDonald, um, on the, here on the, the East coast for a, one weekend, I think, you know, when I was, uh, I think I was just starting to headline and okay. um, Kevin was headlining a, a club uh, here in Rhode Island, uh, the Rhode Island comedy connection. And I, I told the the owner, I was like, well, so I have to, I have to open for Kevin. That's, that's a thing that needs to happen. Um, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, sure. No problem and uh so i worked with him and we really hit it off uh and it was it's bizarre to talk about in you know having just gushed over kids in the hall and revealed myself to be a huge fan of theirs um uh you know kevin is uh he's he's like a buddy and and uh, that's uh it's i have my brain splits in two um when i think about that but it's uh yeah he's he's wonderfully fantastic and then um he uh he was coming through on another tour with the the, the whole troupe um uh, i think a year later
1: okay. so uh
2: went to see the show um he had me uh you know backstage and stuff and i got to talk to them and i i just fell apart uh, i oh, i was so <laughs> not cool i was not cool at all i wanted to be cool i needed to be cool i it was i just I I was such a fanboy and I mean you yeah. know as comics you know this we work with people that it's like oh hey that's that's somebody that I love or I you know that's somebody that's that's a huge person or something like that and you get to a point where you can just be like oh this is fine you're you're a person <laughs> I'm a person you're tired I'm tired let's do this um okay. uh, you have that was moments. one of those moments yeah, this was one. This was like the one where I just oh, at the very end, I could I just it I blurted it out. I'm like, you guys are the reason I'm <laughs> even into comedy. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to do this. I'm a huge six that. seven big guy, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, and uh, they're great. And so after doing Be a Man, um, I I started uh, thinking about what the next project would be, and we were starting to deal with a couple of things myself and my producing partner. And, uh, and I started reading the book, uh, that they had put out. Um, and I was like, God, why is there not a documentary about this? Why is there not a kids in the hall documentary? Um, the closest there is, is there's like a, uh, like a tour documentary, um, where they're, they're out on tour doing some old stuff and new stuff. And it's just kind of behind the scenes stuff, but a real, like, here's the nuts and bolts and have everybody in it and, and do the, you know, do that type of documentary that you see. Um, and so I reached out and, uh, uh, the, the, the guy who re- wrote the book, um, he is All working miners? on the documentary. So I'm. I'm excited. I want to see it. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I can't wait to see the documentary. And uh, and in a lot of ways, I'm kind of happy that somebody else already had the uh, the yeah. ball rolling on that, so I don't have to feel any sense of responsibility to it. I can just watch
0: it and enjoy. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, they're they're wonderful. I've I've had those moments, like like I met Rob Williams, and I managed to keep my composure pretty well. And and I've met oh, yeah. somebody. other people that I really one. looked up to. But I got off stage. That's wonderful. I got off stage with at Cobb's in San Francisco with Doug Stanhope, who was a big hero of mine. But as I'm walking to the green room, a hand reaches out of the dark and says, "You were hilarious." And I look down and it's Roseanne Barr. And I've never been as uncool in my life. I literally ran <laughs> away from her and went upstairs and cried.
2: <laughs> oh she man, that's, that's I. I don't blame you in the least.
0: She meant so much to me. At, at an age like like i was into robin first you know so it wasn't that that i was young it's that with with her i was at an age to really appreciate her and what she meant yeah and the, the, the feminism and the, the barrier breaking and so yeah and uh yeah and that story ended horribly and she became a trumper so <laughs> i know it kills me it breaks my heart because long. she oh
2: it break. it breaks my heart i I, uh, I share your, um, your, your love for her work. Um, I, I will, to the day I die, I will, I will die on the hill of the, uh, the Roseanne show being the best, uh, sitcom, um, ever I I'll just say it. And that's what it is. Uh, to me, that's how I feel it. Uh, and, and I think that that show, um, represented something that wasn't, uh, that hadn't been seen in that way. Um, right. and the messages there were, uh, sneaky, super sneaky, like really progressive forward thinking messages. Um, and it's, it's, in it really is crazy to think that, you know, that's what the show was and now this is where we are. Um, and uh, and, you know, we just pretend that the last like season and a half to two seasons didn't happen. And it's a perfect show.
0: <laughs> I, I heard we're actually going to remove the last four years from our collective memories. It's um, oh,
2: that's already I think that's a bill that's being drafted by the Republicans right now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, a yeah, very I, collective vaccine,
0: I think when, when you get the vaccine, it, it wipes out the last four years from your memory.
2: Oh, boy, it's like a Thanos fax. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, <laughs> where we, we snap back and it's like, oh, shit, five years went by. Okay. We, uh, we certainly jumped ahead. Uh, let, me, let me roll us backwards Let's back. again. Let's go back. I want to know the first time that you had that spark where you were like, not just a consumer, but you were like, God, I love kids in the hall and I make my friends laugh. And I think I'm going to go try to be funny.
2: Oh man, I, it started, it started very, um, I kind of in a circuitous way. I, uh, it was, it, I think it was more performance that I was intrigued by or not performance, but making something in, in the, in the space. Right. Um, I loved film. I started, I was a huge movie geek. Um, I think it's no surprise that a, a kid born in the early eighties, who you know didn't have a dad growing up and and you know in that kind of situation loved movies and uh so i of course of course yeah and uh so i just became like i wanted to be a filmmaker and and i uh i remember uh i think like eighth grade i i was like i really want a video camera Um, I saved up uh, and it was my birthday and Christmas, you know, presents all combined. It was just get this video camera and it was an RCA VHS camcorder. And I was just making little videos either completely by myself or with my friends and trying to make little things. And after that, it was really just trying to build like, how can I make this and how does that happen? Right. And
0: please tell me you still
2: have these old videotapes somewhere. Uh I they my mom must have them somewhere. I really oh, wish I had them. this right. I know. I know. I should I need to just go through them and just make sure that they're safe. I think is is right. more than anything. It's just make sure that like there's nothing incriminating. <laughs> 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 like, like I don't want to have to explain to Twitter why like a uh, uh, this 8th grade kid in the 90s like said something inappropriate. Like I just don't want that to happen. Oh, um right. But yeah, I want those for for memories, too. Uh, So they they have to be so embarrassing and just cringe inducing. But um, (laughs) yeah, and I just I really loved the idea of that. And I started to want to make more stuff. And I was writing and I was like, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to write scripts. I'm going to do this whole thing. And that's where my head was for a long, long time. And I liked trying to figure out how to recreate something or make it, or how did they do that? What does that mean? And, you know, the nuts and bolts of storytelling and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and and through that time, I was a, you know, uh, dadless fat kid, uh, you know, hitting puberty and going through that period of time. And like comedy was, you know, making other people laugh was definitely, the survival skill but i didn't look right. at it as an object like oh let me use this you know it was just like well that's what that's what i do that's how i get sure. through a day um it wasn't until college it wasn't until college when i i thought oh i can do that where was that where where did you go to college Uh, I went to, uh, the new England school of communications in Bangor, Maine. Um, great college. Very, very happy with them. It was on the Husson university campus, uh, private school, uh, up there, uh, private school, not private school, private college, not a state school. You know what I mean? Right. uh, yeah. So I went there and, um, uh, I, oh man, it was the first year they have an open mic, um, I think in the first like two months of school, freshman year, um, my new college friends are like, You're funny, you should do the open mic. And and it was just a college open mic of like music and just everything. You know, if somebody's gonna read poetry, they're gonna read poetry. If you know those are fun a kid-
0: as a comedian, I love being on those odd mixes because people are always so happy to see you to get a break uh, from those- like wrenching songs and poems. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I think back to that and I'm like, man, it's really true. Like the first the oh the as a comedian, when you start out, you will do the hardest shows of your life when you are the least prepared to do them.
0: Yeah. It's so backwards. Yeah,
2: because you just don't know. You don't know. Like, oh, okay, I'll do it now. And uh so I was sure. at this open mic, I was having fun with my friends and I I uh I play guitar and so Like, I was more interested in, like, hey, let's go up and we'll play some songs and stuff like that. And, uh, and I went up and, and at the school, it was like this the open mic was like a collective thing. You know, it's a small school in the middle of Maine. And that was like the thing everybody went to was like, oh, the open mic's happening. Let's go. And, uh, my friends signed me up and I, I went up and I, I just, I had no act. I had no stuff prepared. I just started talking and I think I did like one street joke and then the rest was just kind of observational stuff from my like few weeks at the school and it went well. And they had a, this was an open mic where they gave a first, second and third prize, which is, that's just a horrible idea.
1: But that's very strange college.
2: (laughs) It's college. So it's like, yeah, and you get an award. Here you go. Um, (laughs) and I I tied for second, and I was like, Oh, okay, hey, I'm funny. And then after that, I uh, I was like, I'm gonna do this. And I started writing jokes and you know, working on material, and then the next open mic happened, and I went up and I was so prepared. I was so ready for this thing, and I bombed. I knew it.
0: I knew that was so much
2: terrible. I made it maybe two minutes. I mean, flop sweat and just I felt awful. And I I think the last thing I said was, "You guys were supposed to laugh at that." And then I <laughs> I walked off. I walked off in shame, just humiliated, humiliated in front of my new college friends. No, there's, oh. two, there's
0: two kinds of people. There's there's most people who I think will go, "Oh, I guess I'm not good at that. <laughs> that was awful." And and then there's us who go okay now I guess I have to keep doing it like like if you would yeah. if you would have killed it might have decreased the chance of you sticking with it but you bombed so you need to now you gotta beat this thing you can't let this thing yeah I
2: too. I bombed I bombed in front of my friends you know what I mean right. just people just not a not a show not an audience these were my friends and and fellow students my peers at this school
0: that's so humiliating you around campus and be like, Oh, there's, the I guy. know.
2: Oh, and after, after like two or three weeks of me being like, no, I'm yeah, I'm definitely doing it again. No, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I'm yeah. I'm, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. I'm going to write that down. You know, so everybody <laughs> knew I was
0: trying. Oh, they knew I was trying. And that's, the, I th- that's
1: probably a big part oh, of why you're you
0: bombed Also, is because you didn't have that built in excuse on stage of, you know, oh, I'm just chatting. And some of it's occasionally funny. Oh, good. You know, now you're up there going, no, this is funny. I worked on it and developed it. It's funny. And then it wasn't. Yeah,
2: here's a, hey, here's an idea that I had and I overthought it and I wrote it out very specifically. (laughs) And I'm telling you guys for the first time, I have no idea what any of this is or how it works. And I, yeah, really (laughs) after that, I was, I was hooked. I was like, okay, so now I need to figure out what this is. And I, I took more of a circuitous route Uh, By building protection where uh, because I played guitar and I was doing songs and stuff, acoustic guitar stuff uh, at these open mics, my uh, my best friend in school um, and I started playing songs together that were funny. They were comedy songs, right? We were an acoustic duo, little little main tenacious D and. Uh, and we started playing at the, at the open mics and people really liked it and they couldn't wait for another one. And they started requesting songs that we were playing. And then I think maybe by the end of that year, that's when we, we reached out to, um, you know, comedy places in the area, who's doing a show. And that's how I got into like the stand-up world of other stand-up comedians. Was we started playing these silly, ridiculous songs, uh, you know, at comedy shows that were happening in, uh, you know, in Maine at you know bar shows and stuff like that, and met some comics that way, and eventually started just you know putting the guitar down and just doing stand-up, and um, yeah, you know once I once I figured it out once I was like okay this is how I do it I can put the shield of the guitar away and just talk um but yeah that oh I would love to go back and see that two minutes of bombing oh if I if I was Marty McFly I would go back to that and instead of playing Johnny Be Good it would just be me being like I had a neighbor um (laughs) and he uh, uh Oh, for this you need to know. He had okay. He had uh, he always wore these kind of shoes, right? And just watch (laughs) that happen for that two minutes, and just be like, "Oh, buddy, buddy, some of this gets better." (laughs) Right, right.
0: And anybody who's who's listening, who's thinking of trying comedy, uh, I love that your story. uh, One, you had that really hard bomb early on. You know, like, don't let those stop you. But I also love that you found a kind of training wheels to, you know, sort of practice you back into being confident on stage by yourself again, with having a buddy up there with you and with having the guitar. And um and and I kind of feel like my start was similar where I was hosting an animation festival. So I was doing someone else's material and they could slowly start working in my own. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I don't know if there's any, if there's one piece of advice I could give to young comics, it's like, give yourself some time. Like, you just have to get confident up there and even learn how to stand on the stage and talking to him about like, just give yourself some time. We all want to be brilliant, like right from day one. And most of oh, yeah. you have movie. to have,
2: you have to have that time because, you know, like, what I was doing while I was doing the acoustic duo was learning the, the, the tools and learning the structure and the, sure. the beats and like, oh, this is how this can turn into this joke. And oh, this you can kill something. You can go too far right. in a joke or just too long and and not let it go. And you know, you learn to learn when to put it down and move on. And all these little things that collected over that time that uh, you know, I was able to cheat. I before I started doing stand-up you know, legitimately where it, it's just me and a microphone and I'm doing stand-up. I was able to do like two years of, you know, shows of, of being on stage and, and trying right. to make an audience laugh for money and, you know, and not yeah. screw up a show. And Yeah. That, that's you know, a thing and I that have, you and I have in
0: common. And I think it's so valuable.
2: It really is. And you have to be able to make mistakes. I think that's the, the biggest thing is, uh, yeah. So like you said, if there's, you know, if there's, People listening that, you know, if 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 the listener wants to get into stand-up or, or has already started uh, you, that go make mistakes, go fuck up. And because you're supposed to, you have to, if you hit the stage and what you're doing is the same thing you're going to be doing in a year, then you didn't learn anything. You have to, you right. have to mess up. You, I mean, we, I still do it. I'm sure you do. Like you look back, you know, well, I would say. In normal times I would say you look back right. a year a year ago and you'd be embarrassed by what you were doing or you know okay this worked but I this got a lot better. I mean now I look back a year and I'm just like yeah that was uh that was uh
0: that was fun. You know <laughs> that's that's <laughs> I, when
1: I, I pre- was a comedian.
0: I performed at the begin like just a couple months into the shelter in place I performed in an empty cafe and sent it out you know, via the internet and on Facebook and Twitter, but also through Zoom. So I could have a few people with their microphones on so we could hear them laugh. Yeah. And, you know, all the weird experiments we were doing when we were trying to keep some form of this art form that we loved alive. I did this joke that bombed so hard because it was too dark and too negative. Uh, And it's so funny to think like, if I could have worked that joke out in clubs, I would have fixed it immediately. You know, the next day I was like, "Oh, I know where to tweak that. I know how to make that better, make that work." Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was like they took that away from me. I don't get to go do that at some like shitty open mics seven times and before doing it in a club another hundred times before then putting it out there. <laughs> you
2: know? Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so true. I like, I've done a few things here and there. Um, you know, I, uh, it was March, it was early March. That was the end of shows. The, uh, what was the last show I did? Like real show. Oh, Remind I was with, uh, I was with Kyle, uh, Kyle Kinane in at, in a theater and they were, they were thinking about canceling. They, they shut down the wow. next day. Oh, and- wow. Just under the there wire. Was, it was a feeling. Like at the end of that night, uh, like everybody was gone. And I'm I'm like shooting the shit with Kyle. And like at the end, it was like we looked at each other, we gave each other a hug, and we walked separate ways. Like, I think this is I don't think this is happening again for a while. It was yeah. like a moment, you know, and it was very I'm happy that it was a it was a positive show. It was a good experience to to have and and be like, okay that was that. And, and I can, you know, like if it's, I have so many mixed emotions about it. I'm sure everybody does, but, um, yeah. yeah. And so I did a few outdoor shows here and there before the winter hit, um, in new England. And, uh, it was fun, like in the middle, in the middle of the like hour, it was a good time. And, uh, you know, the beginning was just a lot of, cause I, I, I like to just talk, um, you know, stream of consciousness in the beginning, kind of riff and play and see where stuff comes. I I write from the stage and, uh, it was, that was too hard to do during this time because I, it was just all dread. It was all existential (laughs) dread and fear and, uh, you know, depression. That's all that was there. I was like, it was like, everybody's here. Let's stop thinking about this for a second. And I want to be the one that's like, guys, we're all, (laughs) we're on the Titanic right now and you want me to play? Are you crazy? (laughs) You know, I'm worried about my cello. What's going to happen to my cello?
1: Right. Um <laughs> Can't your cello in the water?
2: Yeah, and every I I love the idea that everybody gives. Everybody's like, oh yeah, you, you, the band played on on the Titanic. It's like, yeah, they didn't have to talk. They just played. <laughs> they just played. It's background music. They didn't need people watching. You know what I mean? If there was a comedian on the Titanic as it was sinking that did a show. That's He'd the hero. Numbing. That's the one. It's like you kept going. Did anybody stay? A couple people stayed. A couple, a couple people. Couple people.
0: You're, they, you're and of there was one guy that just history. miserable. It's like, why are you even here? <laughs> you're the first person in history that's been like that band on the Titanic. They had it easy. <laughs> These <guys>. <laughs> cowards. <laughs> Anyone can play a freaking cello. Yeah, do what I do. Let's see so you do what I do. <laughs>
2: It's, uh, it's been, it's been weird, but I, you know, I'm grateful for the positive things. I'm really trying to grab on a positive, uh, a few years, a few years back, I started to try and and embrace like the positive things of comedy. Like here are the things it's too easy to get caught up in industry and my career and where am I and why am I not at this place and all these things and i tried to just let go of that as much as i could it's impossible i still have it it still comes back all the time it did then um but really embrace like hey take a second just just look at where you are you know what i mean if you're in a place that you've never been and and you know words in your brain brought you here this is yeah. where you are and you are with these people and they're good people and they you know these other comics that you're friends with or someone you met that you're you're you know is a this is a good person and they're they're you are sharing time with them in this place and it's because you thought of this stupid joke and it's right. it's awesome that you get to do this so i try and remember that stuff and i've been lucky that through the quarantine uh the positive stuff has been there. The best, the, the thing that saved my life was the fact that I did Conan right before everything happened.
0: Just um, in a the wire.
2: That saved, like it was, it was here and people were starting to wear masks on the plane. Right. Um, it was January tw- uh, 29th that I, I did the show and it was something internally that I had been working towards for a long time and uh, uh you know diligently and it meant a lot to me at that moment and i if, if that i was able to coast on that and kind of rest with that through the first chunk of time that we shut everything down and yes it yeah. was hard like things were starting to happen i was talking to certain people things were moving dates were coming and all that stuff that all went away that's fine that's that was the bonus stuff that was happening that allowed me that i was able to tick that off the list was really really important to me uh you know my, mentally like emotional health was <laughs> was derived through that
0: yes my uh my producer doing a little research uh looked at you saying that you you made a plan to get on conan and and then went about chasing that goal and i and i want to talk to you about that but i want to back you up a little first okay uh so you you and i were label mates at stand-up records yes um you have recorded two albums with them so far yep how was that experience and and how did those do for you
2: uh, it was a it was a very good experience. I um I will be the first to admit that the first album I did I did way too early. Uh, oh yeah, how long were you? Early? Early? How long
0: were you? I doing was
1: when you
2: recorded that. I was doing stand up seriously. I always I always add the caveat of seriously because of the um the acoustic duo that I was in. But.
0: <laughs> you were, you were not just playing guitar.
2: Yeah, I was doing it seriously. Um that was in two thousand nine, I think I, I really started, and then um I think I was in for maybe oh my god, what was that? Twenty I think twenty twelve that came out. So like three or four years.
1: So you are uh, I you're
2: album. yeah, I uh I would say uh, Tenacious for sure. I, I um it's the only this This all this stuff like comedy and filmmaking—it's the only thing I I have drive for. Everything else, I'm just like, ah, that'll that'll, I'll get to that later, you know. Yes, this is this is goal oriented. Like, uh, the 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 metaphor I I used was, um, you know, they say if you're in the if you're lost in the woods in In order to not walk in circles over time, you have to pick a tree in front of you and walk towards that tree and when you get there, pick the next tree and walk towards that and okay. i i that's what I that's a great analogy um, yeah, that's kind of what I was doing and i was I was taking these little goal posts and and saying okay don't don't approach this like well, I just started doing comedy and I'm doing open mics and um I want, uh, an HBO special. You know what I mean? Right. Something like that. I want a, a you know, like now it's like, I want up. a Netflix special, you know, <laughs> that's, you can't, that's three, four, you can't. Over. Yeah, exactly. And so it was like, okay, so what are those, what are those steps? What are those things that I need to do? And in, in the beginning it was, you know, get 10 minutes, get 20 minutes. Right. And then, you know, I want to host regularly. And, and then from there, it's like, Hey, okay, I want to be a feature. And then from there I want a headline. And now I'm headlining I want to do this other thing. I want to, you know, work in this area. I want to meet this kind of person. I want to, uh, you know, put something out, like have a, have an album, things like that. And the album for me came about, you know, uh, kind of, uh, it was, it was more of just everything happening at the right time. That first album, um, I met uh, uh Dan Schlissel, uh, who runs Stand Up Records. I met him at a thing um in Las Vegas. Uh and uh, you know, we started chatting, and I had the opportunity later on to headline um the Portland Comedy Connection in Portland, Maine, the one comedy club in the state. And that's where I got started. And I was excited about that and uh and the booker. Was like, hey, listen, the mics are already in the room uh, for Bob Marley's recordings because Bob Marley has done like I don't know 400 albums at this point. Right. The man is a machine, and he's like, so why don't I think you should record an album? I think you know you should do that. It'll, uh, you know, look, it'll oh. it'll help sell tickets, and also this is your chance to do it. So Schlissel um,
0: didn't come record you and produce it. You you did it, and then and then let him hear it.
2: Yeah. So I reached out to Dan when, that, when that opportunity was there and, um, to Dan's credit, he said like, you know, I think you might be too early. I know. Cause I told him right. how long I was doing standup and he's like, uh, you know, if you want to do something like this, if you want to take the risk, uh, you know, take the risk. I, if you want, I'll pay for the recording. You don't have to take that risk. And I said, no, it's okay. I, I have a guy um, it's the guy that does Marley's stuff. He's cutting me a deal cause it's at the same club. I can take care of it. Don't worry about it. Um, and he's like, okay, when it's done, I'll listen to it. If I think an album is there, you know, we'll talk more. And, um, you know, he was very honest and upfront about it. And, uh, and I took the risk and, um, uh, there were two shows Friday night didn't work, uh, the way I wanted it to and saturday i felt good about what was there and and i sent that to dan and he listened to it and he's like yeah there's there's an album here and so we went from there and uh i look back at the material now and i know that that was all survival material it's very clunky oh, yeah. um and it's you know i i was so young in comedy i hadn't developed more of my own I don't philosophy of not philosophy, my own voice of like, okay, this is who I want to be. You know what I mean? This is, this is more me.
0: It's such an interesting thing. It's especially with like one night shows and bar shows. Like you can become a really strong comedian as far as pleasing an audience in any room. And still not have an original voice, not have something to put on record, and 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 I wouldn't agree yeah. with you that that's the case with your first album, but I'm saying I know what you mean.
1: Um, I, I I appreciate so that, and I think there are nuggets develop. there.
0: There are things. Sure. What's that? Start to show through.
2: Yeah, there, like there's one thing where in that album I I listened to it, you know, a few years ago I I went back to it, and uh, and mostly I was just frustrated where it's like God everything. I, listen, there are some good prom, uh, like premises here, promising premises. Right. And, uh, but you just, Oh, just when you get started, like that's the punchline. No, that's the start, man. That's where it starts. Keep going. Right. And, um, but yeah, there's like a couple of things where it's like there, that's, that's where I could see like, Oh, aha. Okay. I'm kind of peaking. I've climbed. Oh here's another tree analogy. I've climbed to the tree. Now I'm, I'm breaking (laughs) above everything. I can see where, you know, I can see where Mordor is. I'm heading towards the mountain. And it, it, uh, you know, it's, it, it takes time. It just takes time figuring out who you are and what you want to say and what you want, you want to stand for really. And you know, that first album compared to the second album is just so, so much dirtier than the second album where I, kind of figured out more of my voice and where I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, in between those was a, was a documentary
0: and a baby. So it's, uh, it's understandable <laughs> for sure. So the documentary, um, you've got this album under your belt. Was Up records involved in the documentary? Uh,
2: yeah. So I, I had the documentary concept kind of kicking around. And like I said, I was just a huge film fan film nerd. And I really liked documentaries. I still love documentary. Um, I think there's, it's, it's such a beautiful art form in its, uh, in its best incarnation when someone can do something so truly wonderful and unique and real. Um, and I think it's a great, uh, it's a great medium for, you know, fun and just like, uh, funny things or heartwarming things. And, and, you know, so there's a lot there. And, uh, this idea was so kind of
0: around. Pe- people should watch the, the low budget a documentary as a format really can lend itself to people that will put in a lot of time, but maybe don't have a lot of money.
2: Right. Right.
0: There's yeah. So many there's great no budget documentaries out there that I love.
2: Yeah. And, and now, especially, I mean, you, there are so many, I mean, the, to be fair, the, the market is flooded with documentary. Um, but that's because it is a great medium and there are some really yeah. wonderful documentaries. I mean, uh, there. yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was just about to rattle off some, some stuff about it, but um, yeah. So this idea was kicking around and, I think similar to my approach to the, uh, the, that first album, I had the idea. Um, I had my friend uh, and, and fellow comic Derek Furtado that was, you know, we were kind of hashing it out together. And, uh, and, and I really felt like this was something that could work. This idea of approaching masculinity in uh you know, in the modern era and not having a dad and what does it mean to be a man and, uh, and it was just something I was kind of kicking around with my friend. And then uh, my wife uh, told me that she was pregnant. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a surprise. It was something we were discussing. And, and I think that's where the discussion of masculinity came from. A- anyway, you know, just talking to my friend about what it's going to be like to be a dad. And right. So here was the opportunity. It's like, OK, so if you want to make this movie, you have nine months to make this movie. Um, and so <laughs> I took all of my anxiety and overthinking and and fear and worry and concern, and I dumped all of that about being a new parent, and I just shoved it all into this project. And I think that's oh, it was the most helpful thing uh, for my wife and I, I think <laughs> because that way I could just take that anxiety and overthinking and put it into the film instead of you know talking to her about uh existential fear and
0: um because it's terrifying
2: oh it's oh sure and i have the worst um the worst superpower of overthinking everything to a ridiculous amount that just thoughts that just get shaved down so thin it's like the it's like that piece of bread that mickey and donald and goofy are carving when they're starving in some disney cartoon from like the 60s i think they just like that tiny shred of a bean or a piece of bread i don't know uh it's like translucent when they cut it um sorry
0: (laughs) no i love
2: i love the visual yeah it's uh it's something that that is in me uh it's i think it's something i struggle with uh, quite a bit but it's, uh, it's allowed me to get where I am. So I, I don't know, I guess it's okay. And, uh, so the thought of making this documentary was, it was in my head and I had no business making a, a movie. There was, I, I didn't go to film school. I, you know, I had shot some sketch stuff and and some shorts with my friends and, uh, I wanted to make the movie. And I think that that ignorance of what it really meant saved me because it, it allowed me to make this a uh, dumb decision to do it. And I I talked to my friends that were, you know, film friendly kind of people. Uh my my college friend Joe Giordano, um, you know, I was like, "Okay, so you worked with me and sh- uh, you know, shooting some funny videos, so you're going to be the director of photography." And uh he was <laughs> he was down to do it. And, you know, uh it it really came down to write down a list of all the things we need to buy. Uh, for gear, and that is our budget for this documentary. And it came right. out to just under $5,000. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, we need to raise $5,000 for this. And so uh, I reached out bikini to um, what's that? Bikini Car Wash. Yeah. <laughs> I started a bikini car wash. <laughs> and then I realized, guys, this is the documentary. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> nobody bought it. Nobody bought it. So we had to, we had to make man. go said, back to
0: the original idea. Okay.
2: Yeah. Oh, but, but a little more bitter about it, you know? And, For sure. uh, yeah. So, uh, Dan was wonderful. I told him the idea and he was immediately in, he wanted to, uh, uh, you know, he wanted to, to support it and, and, you know, put in the budget. And I said, don't, He was willing to put in the full amount. And I said, no, I want to split it up. I don't want this to be something I, I can't go through life uh, or my day feeling like this is all on you. You know what I mean? This is because you put in the money. I need to, I need to split my guilt up into smaller chunks (laughs) to digest properly. Um and so we made the movie for for $5,000 and that's incredible. So stupid that it happened. I mean the the total budget at the end we shot it all for 5,000 and then it took some money to do the post production stuff because there's no amount of, you know, handshakes and favors for right. like having color grading done because I didn't know anybody yeah. in the in those color fields.
1: And yeah, and, so, and
2: yeah, so all in it was 11,000 um when it was all done and paid for and it looks um, really good i'm very proud of it i really am because everybody that worked on it worked on it with care and everybody was working you know for free beyond the the post-production stuff and you know there was there was time where uh, you know on on good days for the bigger segment stuff you know that's when we had a crew that's when Joe would fly home from, you know, a gig that he was working because he's a, a camera operator and he would come down for a few days and shoot with us and uh, our friend Ian would come in and shoot. And so maybe there'd be like five people doing this thing and I was directing. So I was doing as much work as I could until, you know, we started recording. And then as soon as you hit record, okay, I'm just a guy and and I, I don't want to fake anything um i wanted it to be as real as possible so there's no there's no retakes there's no uh you know set you know, uh, I, things nothing so What's i wanted that?
1: to ask you
0: about that there, there's a part in the movie where Derek is messing with you and he's kind of telling the boxer behind your back spoiler alert <laughs> anyways, uh that you're thinking you could maybe actually beat him and like doing things to like get the guy to maybe hit you a little harder and not to like pull his punch like telling the guy you you've was that real? Was did he not get your permission? To oh, go? that's real. <laughs> that is that is
2: hundred percent real. Yeah. So, funny, well, uh, that's
0: for, the best for, example of being a man in the whole movie because that's what we do. We're just
2: awful. Oh, friends. that that is that is such the prototypical like guy friend thing, right? It's so from. I don't care what age you are. You can be a child. You can be a full grown adult. That is the the guy friend thing and it's it's insane but i'm grateful that he did it because it was funny you know because our our whole thing with the the documentary was no one's performing it was do not come on this uh don't don't come into this uh thinking i'm going to be funny and it'll be a thing I, i was very very adamant about being as real as possible and just trusting we're funny people let's just do this for real and if it's funny like it will be funny and if it's not it's not and it could have it could have sucked the whole thing could have been terrible and then i would owe money to these people and i would feel terrible (laughs) um but that was the risk and uh but yeah for that scene um uh for the listener i uh i wanted to learn how to fight that was my that was one of the the goals for this thing fighting drinking cars uh you know all these things and um, so all the stereotypical Pazienza. manly things. Yeah. All the things that I thought, you know, made you a man from watching TV and movies. Right. And, uh, Vinny Pazienza is a five time world champion boxer and he lives in Rhode Island and he would come to shows and he happened to be a fan. And so I was like, well, this is the guy, this is the guy that has to teach me how to fight. And so I reached out to him and I asked him if he would, uh, spar with me because i'm not a boxing <laughs> fan i don't know what that means i thought it meant like being in there and he has those like padded glove things right punching right. gloves and <laughs> sparring means like get in and box with him right and derek knew that and derek was rightfully Didn't saying like this, he's like dude this is not gonna go the way you think it's gonna go this is not what <laughs> oh, you think it so is. he
0: did try to help you in the beginning
2: Yeah. And I was cocky and I was like, no, I, this will be fine. It'll be fine. And so, you know, Derek then did the, like, I did the shitty thing of being cocky. And, and I think Derek did the shitty thing, uh, you know, above the appropriate response. He was driving Vinny. Uh, we met Vinny at his house. We did an interview there. And, uh, and then the next day we were going to do the boxing. And so we drove over to his house, we pick him up and we've got camera gear, we've got crew uh and it and we now we have to, you know, take Vinny and his buddy who was the referee to the boxing ring. And so Derek is driving Vinny uh in one car and I am in the other car. I'm driving, you know, the uh the the other camera guys with us and and uh so he was alone in that car and he he talked Vinny up a little bit, or talk me down. I guess is is more appropriate saying like, "Oh, Ray said he's you know he because he's so tall, he's got uh he's got the reach on you, and you're not even going to get into to uh, connect with him and stuff like that." Right. He called you a bitch. And and stuff like mentioned that. the and guy's like, oh, age. It, yeah, it, it
0: was, was getting older, and
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it was off. And Vinny is he's a great guy um he has a bit of a reputation i think it's you know anybody who is a you know professional boxer is going to have a reputation and i don't even i don't need to tell you i don't need to paint a picture of who he is if i say professional boxer i think you know who that is right accurate image Um, right yeah and and this is a guy who sees a big tall fat guy who's funny (laughs) being like i hey i can do what you do and there's cameras rolling of course he's gonna you know step up a little more um and he's great he did a, he did a great job he knocked me uh pretty hard i did not go down and i am proud of that i did not go down but he punched me hard enough for me to know like okay that's that's not fun that's not a fun <laughs> thing either. it was crazy my body
0: I grew up fighting. My oldest brother became a professional. He was an MMA fighter for years. Oh my God. Watching you take that hit was just so great. I, my,
2: my whole body was reacting that entire time because I was, uh, I was like the, I was the downtrodden, like straight man in this situation. And Derek was the, you know, the, the bumbling buffoony kind of happy guy that accidentally made things worse. And I was so mad at Derek in that moment because I was the director too, right? So I have the binder with all the stuff that we have to do and the contacts. And it's because I'm the one, you know, there's nobody else on this crew. There's a crew of like, you know, three people. And every day is mostly just me dealing with stuff. You know, if we got somewhere, it's because I had to reach out and make the contact and make the time and tell everybody else and do that stuff. And all I was thinking during that whole time is like we have tomorrow we have to do the drinking segment. And if if he hits me too hard, if I get, you know, screwed up on this thing, we can't move another day. Joe has another job on Wednesday. He's got to fly out. He's going to be gone. We have (laughs) to make this movie. And my whole body just went into a fight or flight response. I was shaking. I don't I've been in fights as a kid. I've been in fights, you know. High school right. stuff like that. I've never, I was vibrating. You know what I mean? Like just the <laughs> adrenaline and fear of just shaking because this guy is gonna punch me. And it's it's a horrible feeling. Like if you get in a fight, you don't know that's coming until you got a good idea that it's coming, right? Or sometimes you have no idea, and oh, you're in a fight. Uh oh. This was insane. It's like, well, let's all we'll collectively get together and uh, we'll (laughs) we'll drive to the location we've agreed where just in this area here that's where the fight will be and uh uh, yeah hey how you doing do you want to do you want to get a coffee not a problem we'll stop to get a coffee on the way to the fight and then we're gonna get in there and punch each other it's insane
0: oh man i don't know maybe when i was a kid that's how we did the worst ass whooping i ever took was like at the bicycle jumps after school be there by this time (laughs) Other kids came to watch. You, you guys didn't arrange it like a production. <laughs> uh, there was one
2: fight that I got in when I was a kid that was that was like that. Um, it was it, it was out by the bike paths, right in the woods. Uh, what is very it similar
0: bike paths. They they also always serve as like amateur boxing rings. Yeah, I think
2: it's just kids. It's kids. Like this. Is, hey, this is our territory. You know what I mean? This is the bike. No, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's for kids, that's the back alley, right? That's behind sure. the bar, right? Yeah. <laughs> is, is that the, is that on the bike path? And, uh, this kid, I, I just didn't know how to fight. I had no one to show me. There were no, my dad wasn't around. I didn't have like, I know. Right. I got to say it so many times. <laughs> I need, I need everybody to know. Uh, and <laughs> I just didn't know. I'd never, I had never really thrown a punch until I think high school and yeah, middle school, this kid, you know, really, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to kick your ass and we're going to do this at the bike path. And I walked over there stupidly. I was just like, yeah, man, this is dumb. Why are we going here? And I went to the bike path and, and he, uh, he, he punched me very hard. Um, and, uh, and, and that was, that. it was one punch and then I didn't fight. I just didn't, I, I just stood there and Aww. let him hit me in the face. And, uh, and then I, I did the cool guy thing. Oh no. I said, Oh no, this is an anecdote from the documentary. I was the cool guy. And I, and I touched my finger to my lip and I looked the blood on my finger and I went, are we done here? And I walked away because no. that was the only way I knew how to be cool. Uh, Do after that, that once that. I was in high school, then, then I got in, I got used to
0: throwing fists and stuff, but. I don't oh, know. Man, I, think, I, see, I hope I, you got a girlfriend out of that because you deserved one. That that's beautiful. Are <laughs> we done here?
2: Are we done here? And then she's like, "Oh wow, he's he's tough." And meanwhile, I'm just like,
0: "Man, he, he punched me so hard. I want to go home and cry." But I think my tooth went through my lip.
2: <laughs> so I can't, uh, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you did it. Just being casual and
0: cool about about punchins and stuff. You, uh, you released the the documentary and it looks like it did pretty well for you. Yeah. It, again, it just, it was all
2: very, uh, like I said, that, that ignorant kind of approach of just like, I just didn't know any better. And so I did this thing and I tried as hard as I could and I made the, the film. And then once it was done, I think that's when the panic set in. Where You're I had right. I had you the Blu-ray disc. Yeah, I had the disc back from the the post production house and I was like, Oh, I have a movie. I have a movie. It's cool. It's got credits and a soundtrack and stuff. And I have a movie. What do I do with this movie? You know, how do I how do I do this next part? I don't know. And so we just started submitting to festivals and you know, because it was kind of a shoulder shrug of like, I guess that's how you do it. And we, we, uh, we were lucky enough to, to meet a few people. And um, my now producing partner, Lee Leshen, uh, he uh, he produced the um, Back to the Future documentary, um, Back in Time. And that was screening at uh, a film festival, um, Snob Film Festival, in, in, just outside of Boston. Right. And he was there screening that and we were there screening, um, be a man. And Tom Wilson is in be a man uh, who played Biff in back to the future. Famously doesn't like to talk about back to the future. And, (laughs) uh, and so Lee saw that Biff was in this and he's like, I have to see this movie. How did you get Biff? Right? So we watched the movie and he really liked it. And so he came up to me after, uh, the, the, uh, the screening and, it was that that stereotype that you think is going to happen. It was like that one time it did happen. It's like somebody that can actually help you came up and was like, "I really like this stuff, you know. Let me help you." And uh, and and I was not in the film world, and he was, and so he um, he put us in touch with uh, some uh, distributors, and and we got picked up. We uh, we went with Film Buff, and they uh, they got us the the Hulu deal and and uh sbs australia and a few other things and i was really just happy that it existed in the world this thing that i didn't know what would happen with it and there was there were no guarantees and so i just thought i'm gonna make the best thing i can and make it as genuine as possible um and uh and i was very lucky to have it happen that way i think it's crazy that uh, a lot of my uh, career outside of stand-up is based on the idea that I happened to, um, bump into this guy at a film festival <laughs> years ago. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's, it's been nothing but a, a, a really positive experience making I, that. Movie. I think it's great.
0: People can still see it on Hulu.
2: It is not on Hulu anymore. Um, okay. our, our contract, uh, finished up and it, it, uh, Uh, it was on iTunes, Amazon, you know, all the other places that you can see things. Um, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately at the beginning of the, uh, pandemic, my, um, distribution deal, uh, was expiring and I did not renew that distribution deal. So I'm in the middle of it now. And so, uh, it's not on those platforms right now. I have to, go to another distributor and have it put up. It's all the nonsense behind the scenes. Ah it's the, it's the worst stuff. This is the worst part of making
0: anything uh in like film or anything okay, like that bro. where you have to deal with distribution. Gonna... We are gonna talk about some fun stuff that people actually can go see, but uh in a minute that I'll <laughs> <laughs> tell everyone. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you want you want to start talking about I'm my OnlyFans now? <laughs>
2: what what'd <would> you say? <laughs> Oh, no, I said, oh, you want to start talking about my OnlyFans now. Got it. Uh, it was just a fun yes. joke. Um, no, yeah, be a man. It will be back up again. <laughs> I, I like just York don't.
0: York, uh, that was a fun joke.
2: That was a fun joke. Yeah. I uh, I felt bad that there was a, I had to repeat it. So I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. It was, <laughs> it it was, it was funny fun when joke. it was, it was funny when it was like in the moment. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not, it wasn't a joke worth repeating. You know
0: what I mean? This was like your second stand-up performance, you, where you went back and tried to do it a second time, and it just yeah. didn't have that freshness. Oh. You guys were supposed <laughs> to
2: laugh at that. Um, the uh, yeah, I'm but sure it'd be a man time will time will be time back time. up uh, uh, eventually. Um, you know, it's just dealing with uh, the distribution stuff and figuring out um, all the nuts and bolts in a time where a lot of places are just like, oh, we don't know, we don't we're not even nope, at you know, anything right now,
0: right now yeah 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 if the world still exists on the other side of this pandemic talk to us <laughs> right exactly uh, so okay so so now i i want to get to uh you setting your sights on on the next tree uh you you were very determined to get on conan how does one decide that that's what they want to do and then you know, without giving away your trade secrets. Uh, how'd you go about making that happen for you?
2: Well, I already gave away my, my biggest trade secret, and that is my OnlyFans account. Um, Conan found me yeah. through that. and He's, he's uh, one of your
0: OnlyFans fans.
2: He is, yeah. I think his uh, his name is uh, Tallfire, and it's
0: just, whew. The oh, I think I've gotten tips from him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Tallfire. Tallfire, yeah. Oh, he's a wild one.
2: Sure yeah. No. <laughs> I I had to block them recently. Right. Too much. Too much. Uh no, I I uh yeah, so I I did the documentary and that was done and people were asking like what's the next thing? Are you, what's the next documentary? And I felt like be a man was so personal and so genuine to make another documentary for the sake of it because the first one had some success and then like shoehorn myself into another topic would have been disingenuous um right. so i didn't know what to do next and i was i was really concerned with that and after i did the movie so much work went into that so much time and effort and energy went into that uh that uh stand up went on autopilot for a little while which was still my full-time job and so right i wasn't um I wasn't as focused as I wanted to be and should have been um because I had to focus so much on the on the film um so as soon as it was over, I started work on the next album and uh wanted to put that together and and in my head, I was like this is how it's gonna work i'm gonna go film project album film project album or special or something like that so you know film stand up film stand up that kind of thing sure and um Sounds and, like a good plan. Yeah, it and and it, it's you know, it's one way to do it. Uh, I maybe I don't know. Am I doing it right, Keith? Am I doing it right?
0: <laughs> You're doing it right for Ray. Oh no, I like I like your approach. Okay, all right. Was my second well, answer better? We can, we can edit yes. out the first is <laughs> <answer.
2: laughs> no, That's the worst part. It's the unknown, right? You, it, you just do stuff and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. There's no chain. There's no chain of command. There's nobody to be like, right. oh, well, you, what you need to do now is do this part. Um, so I did the second album and and I looked at where I was and, and I was like, okay, I there's these other film things I can do. Um, and the question kept coming up and... I had to kind of answer for myself. Am I a stand-up comedian who makes some movie stuff or am I a filmmaker? And I, you know, I went through the the dark tea time of the soul and came out the other end, you know, pretty confident in no, no, I'm a stand-up. I'm a stand-up that likes to make movie stuff. Um, and so I I knew that the next step was a late night credit. Um, as uh, as shallow and, and cold as that statement is, it's, uh, that's where my mind was. was like, okay, so that's the next step. I have to get a late night credit.
0: And There is uh, uh, a chain of command. And like, especially for, for you and I living in non-industry towns.
2: Right, right.
0: There is a next thing you have to do. To to get that next promotion, no, right. take that next step up. And you knew that you were like, you're saying it's shallow, but you're right. Also, I mean, it's a career. Yeah, it wasn't. And you it need wasn't that TV like credit a, if you're going to take the next step in that career. Yeah, it wasn't
2: like a cold calculated thing of like, oh, I guess I'll get a TV credit. Uh, it was, you know, being being a comic in Rhode Island uh, and, you know, working across the country, trying to, you know, trying just trying to work and and uh, get booked more so I could afford to be a full-time comedian um,
1: right.
2: with a, you know, a family and a mortgage and all that stuff. I knew that the thing I was running up against is like, yeah, but who are you, you know? And I needed sure. that late night credit and, it, you know, the, the thing of like, Oh, everybody, everybody has a TV credit. It's like, yeah, well, you know, if everybody has a TV credit and you don't, what the hell's going on? And I still think it's bullshit. I think they're, you know, whatever. But I, (laughs) I had a, I had a, you know, career minded (laughs) goal of doing that. And I also had an internal goal of doing that in, in my, in my heart of hearts, doing a late night set was going to be the thing where i could then look at myself and say uh i i, I am a stand up comic uh it's a weird um it's a weird goal that i had for myself where i i truly didn't believe that i could call myself a stand up comic until i had that and it's something that i don't apply to anyone else you know yeah. what I mean? There's not a single person in the world that I would say, "Well, they're not a stand-up comic until they do a late-night show." That's it's insane. But for my own internal thing, I, I, that's where I measured myself. That, and, that was
0: going to give you some validation, some personal validation. Yeah,
2: yeah. Deep down, like, okay, now I'm, I, I'm in, I'm in. I got the stamp. You know, I'm okay. And maybe it was me second guessing. The decision of, you know, are you a filmmaker or are you a stand-up comic or what are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing any of it? And totally. Um, and so I I set out to do that. And being in Rhode Island, you know, there's no <laughs> there's no industry night happening in New England or anything like that. I mean, there's a few things here and there. Um, but really it just it it came down to, you know, here are these sets that I think are, you know, TV, um, friendly sets. Uh, and my producing partner Lee, um, had been working on another documentary with some contacts, uh, with late night shows. And, uh, and then I, I did some shows with a couple of comics that started passing me some, uh, some emails, right. Some, some contacts. Oh, talk to this person. Um, and so I started casting the net and I, I said to myself, like, okay, this is the year that I need to get this. I need to work on this. And um in the in the 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 hard parts of the the job, the career of this, I felt like if I didn't get it, uh at the end of the year, it was gonna be like there, there's my sign if I don't get it now, you know, I can't do much more from here. and uh you know, and th- that kind of dark frustration, right? Um is is this too much? Am I sharing too much about this?
0: No, no, I love it. I'm, that's, I'm letting you go. Oh, okay. Uh it may be too much for you, you might regret it later, but for me, this is gold. Oh yeah, good point. Good point.
2: If you hear a zipping sound, it's me closing up. I'm just gonna close up and listen, uh, listen.
0: just, I'll tell you what. Tell you. I will have Joe send you the whole tape afterwards and we'll cut out anything. Oh, else. no, no. I'm fine.
2: I, <laughs> I, 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 promise there's nothing, there's nothing. I'm an open book. <laughs> I'm an open book. Good. Cause I it's was fair. totally lying. Never edit. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually going out live. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it, it was just kind of casting that net and, um, it, uh, you know a couple of couple of thanks so much send us more stuff when you have it kind of things and right. uh um and then uh JP at uh at Conan emailed and it's so crazy the way that the time works out um it was right after my birthday in January so it was January it was mid January I know it just passed Both Thank you so much. Yes, yes. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. Thirty-eight, and in, in a pandemic, you just get to look. Yes. At, oh, it's like looking down a dark well, and you can't see the bottom. <laughs> you know, and you just hear that sound, that cold sound coming from the earth. And uh, but uh, yeah, so I I uh, got a, an email back from JP, and um, and it was right after my birthday, and he liked the set and he was like, Hey, I, I really like the set. Um, if you can get this down to four and a half, I think, I think you got a, you got a TV set here. Oh, and uh, at the time it was seven, it was a little over seven minutes. And so I just started working on that. And I think over, wait, wait, over about you seven, months, in seven minutes. Yeah. So I had sent a, I had sent are a you five. Idiot? What's that? What are you an idiot? How dare you? no no i i had sent a five and a seven and then i think there was like a four um but it was just kind of an amuse-bouche it was like hey let's what what do you want you know what i mean here's here's a few sets i want to see what you think of because my sets are the you know my material is definitely like longer form so you know like the, the like the set that he liked it's it wasn't like a collection of different jokes like i look at that i'm like that's my vanilla folders bit that's the, here's right. the bit do you want this bit on your show it, you don't want that one? how about this bit you know i uh, here's this hamster bit are you interested here are my wares
0: <laughs> and, and it's so weird so, because as, as we evolve as comedians we're we're building time You're like, I've got five and then I worked on having 10 and then I worked on having 20 and then, Oh, I could do an hour now. And it's like, okay, ready for TV. Can you give me four?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I look at that. I'm like, Oh my God, four. That's it. That's it. Four minutes.
0: minutes, We're not even done saying hello to our audience.
2: I know it's crazy. And so, yeah, but he, uh, he connected with it and, um, uh, so I think about two months went by where I was, uh, no, not even two months. Oh my God. It was, it was a month. It was one month of working out the the set and JP was like super supportive and open. And he, there was no, like, I like this. I don't like this. Cut this part. It wasn't like that. And I know other, uh, other late night shows do work that way. Like you know, word for word kind of stuff, uh, or at least that's the um, that's the the rumor,
0: um, right. or the reputation, I, I should say. And and I've I've watched a few comedians over the years go through it, where they're working with a late night show and they're they're really trimming it down to, to get specifically what they're going to do, like really micromanaging it. And I I kind of thought it was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad to that seems- doesn't do that.
2: Yeah, I mean in one way it would be nice uh it only only in the concept of like having just the aspect of having someone say to you do this and they're the gatekeeper so you go oh all right that's what I do.
0: It, it must uh, be the right thing obviously they know what they're talking about.
2: Yeah, so that that part of it feels good. Um but on the creative aspect I'm I'm so enamored with the way JP does it where he's just like I like this can you get it down to four and a half? Show me the four and a half. And uh, and if I still like it, do it, you know, and and he doesn't want to micromanage any of it. And um, like there was a part, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, there was a part in the seven that he really liked. And I had to cut because it required too much. Um, it, it required too much build up time. And I was like, well, if you really like that part, it's going to be like another 30 seconds for me to get to that for it to make sense. And, uh, you know, versus I can do this over here and it's like three more pops in it or whatever. Uh, And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, but if you want to do it, you can still do it. You know, that kind of (laughs) that kind of thing. And uh, it was it was Valentine's Day, February 14th. I was uh, I was um, walking into another show and uh, i got another email and uh, and it was uh it was jp and he's like hey you're the the set looks great i love it um it's locked in you are uh you're on the list i, I got a couple of comics ahead of you that i got to get to but um you know you should hear it from me very soon you're you're on the show so i freaked out i was thrilled oh above and beyond thrilled yeah and uh, it started thinking about oh it was amazing started thinking about uh what clothes to wear uh, you know, i got to get a haircut, not too soon, but not too right. late. Got to get a haircut, do that kind of thing. And then, uh, and then a year went by. Oh, wow. Um, and I, in that time, I, you know, occasional emails, just checking in that kind of stuff. And, and JP is very much a, like no news, uh, you know, no, you know, there's no reason to email you and tell you things are the same, you know? Um, right. And I was, I, you know, that was a roller coaster. That was a lot of like, I don't think I'm going to get this. I I think, I think I lost this and uh, not knowing. And, you know, it was through no fault of, of JP's. He was perfectly forward things. He's like, you're still on the list. Still, you know, got, got a lot of things going on. But uh, um, that was right when they were moving the format from an hour to a half hour. And so that killed a lot of, um, a lot of, Chances for comics to be on the show, um, and it and it's to Conan's credit that there's still comics on the show at a half hour. It's only because Conan and JP and, and you know everybody there is like, no, we want stand up comics on the show. Um, they had to really. That's a hard thing to carve out. You know, yeah. you're talking about 21 minutes of television, and doing a you're doing a uh, you know a tight version of an hour and a half late night show in 21 minutes and to include a comic is is 5 minutes that's a quarter of your show yeah you know so uh you know it, understandably it took a longer amount of time and then uh right when i was at my lowest right when i was at the bottom of that <laughs> well um I got an email, uh, just after my birthday and, uh, and it was, uh, it was the, the date and I went out and I was like, yay, I can still do comedy, you know, (laughs) but I, uh, I, in that time I had reached out to like other comics that have done the show, uh, a bunch like Mark Norman was super kind and was just like, dude, don't. If you don't hear any, if you send an email and you don't hear back, uh, you know, in two months or something, like just follow up every couple of months, see how things are. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the timeline. I'm not crazy and I'm not a terrible cop.
0: Yeah, when you have other people that have been through it to reassure you,
2: that's huge. That is absolutely huge. And, um, and then, you know, doing the show again to JP and Conan's credit, they are so. They are so open to what you want to do. Their whole thing is like, no, you're on the show. You're booked. You know, this is, you're here. If you, if a thing comes up, if you want to comment on something, if you feel something in the moment, go for it. Don't worry about it. Just do what you want to do. That's your job.
0: And that's insane.
2: That I is, had no idea that even existed. It's incredible. It's incredible. The, the, the vibe there was the first time I've walked into a thing and I've been like, I could, I could do this for full, like a full time job. I could work here. I've never felt that any, (laughs) any, any place I've ever been. I'm like, oh no, I can't. This, I do. I'm a comic. You know, I'm a pirate on the seas. That's who I am. Uh, This was the first time I pulled into a port, and I was just like, this is nice. Everybody gets it, you know. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was great, and it was uh, it was a wonderful experience, and um, I'm so happy that it happened when it did, um, to have that goal after, um, after be a man. And after that that second album of like, this is the next thing I need to do this. If I want to continue to, if I want to be able to continue doing these other things. And I just right. knew it was something I needed to do and it was fulfilling for myself, uh, you know, personally, but you know, that's what I, I needed to do. And if, um, if that, if that didn't happen when it did, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just so who I feel like I dodged a bullet. I feel my heart goes out to any comic who was on the list for any late night show, a, pick a channel. I don't care. Right. That was supposed to do late night before the pandemic hit. That would have killed me. It would have yes. absolutely put me on the floor. Um, because it, I, I know the feeling, I know that, that anxiety and that feeling of like, okay, I'm when they send me the plane ticket, that's when I'll accept it. You know, that's when I, I will accept that this is happening. And, um, you know, that's that, that is that feeling. And the, on a positive note, uh, the fact that it was Conan meant the world because, um, you know, he's the, he's the, the guy, he's the guy that I've, I've watched, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't I think there's I don't think it's a coincidence that's uh, kids in the hall, you know, meant so much to me growing up. And then um, Conan O'Brien is the is the, the late night talk show host that connects with me the most. Yeah. Um, I think there is a uh, I think there's connective tissue there. Um, yeah. And I just. Uh, yeah i adore the guy for what he stands for for comedy and what he um what he continues to push out and support and uh you know it's just a a shame that you know you meet him and he's such a monster in person
0: (laughs) just a complete nightmare
2: (laughs) oh it was terrifying no uh you know he was he was great of course and um yeah, it was it was a really special thing, and I'm and I'm glad I did it. And uh, well, that, man, that it's I'm I mean, it all sorts of feels. It was like a year ago, like in in nine days, it was a year ago. That's
0: crazy. That's so weird. And and what a year it's been. That that clip is out there. People can just type uh, Ray Harrington Conan, and they'll see that. On the scene
2: that, that is program. there, yeah, yeah. And I and I look deceptively calm.
0: Oh, good. <laughs> I always like ironically. He'll compliment me on being confident no it's funny terrified. You, you, oh
2: yeah <laughs> no it's you mentioned uh it, it's funny that we, we were talking about um uh boxing with vinnie pazienza uh and i i described how i felt then when i was like shaking and vibrating with you know just adrenaline that's what i was feeling doing the show uh it was the same exact thing i was i was vibrating like I could have gone through a wall and uh and my thankfully my my defense mechanism is I just get real calm and quiet when I so if you ever see me real calm and quiet uh watch out something yeah. went wrong you know something <laughs> is about to go like the building is about to explode
0: so you did have another film project it is getting all kinds of accolades now. People are loving it, and that is independent. Uh, you just won Best Actor in a Web Series from Help Me Out. Oh, uh, yeah, um,
2: the the London International Web Festival.
0: Awesome. Would have been nice to win, you know, during a year when they could fly you out to enjoy it. But
2: still, congratulations! Oh my god. Oh, I adore um, London, and it. Oh, it kills me. It kills me that uh, that I couldn't be there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I gotta say this. Oh, I was just gonna say this has been the most pleasant podcasting experience of my life. Uh, because <laughs> I get to come on and then you remind me of all these nice things I've done, and it's the best. <laughs>
0: oh, good. I'm a my fan. wife
2: is gonna hate me tomorrow, I, my ego is gonna be just through the roof.
0: Well, she can come on too. We'll have your wife on and all. Undependent uh, is such a. You, you talked about that, that problem of doing the documentary that you did and then having you like shoehorn yourself into being dutifully sincere again. And then. what a great response because Undependent is a, a dramatized, like a scripted show about you and Derek. Struggling to figure out what to do next. It's, it's very meta in that way. It's you guys finished with Be a Man. You don't name it, but I see the poster on the wall in one scene. But you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and now you're like, well, what do we do next? Um, and just like, we just film everything. We just film everything. And it it's great. And then there are many places where you're like, the documentary that we're talking about making is the one you're watching. Realizing. See how I push, shut the laptop there? That'd be a great cutscene. Yeah. Um, really fun scene. Yeah. The scene where you guys confront the internet troll, again, spoiler alert, you pushing the laptop off the counter is one of the funniest <laughs> of television I've seen in ages. That oh, before. thank
2: you so much. I love that you <laughs> like that. I really do.
0: Well, it's so you, because you. anyone else would have just pushed it off and been like, fuck you. You you put your hand to do it. And he goes, don't do that. And you're like, I think I'm going to do it. I, I need to do it. And I'm just like, <laughs> I've never seen anyone have a temper tantrum and overthink it so much. I'm like, I, I <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like explaining to him. I think I need, I, I'm sorry, but I think I need to. And then you do it. And I'm, I'm just dying. A really good scene.
1: Very, very funny.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate that. It's, uh, I, I, I'm extra thankful for that compliment because that uh that idea for that moment um it happened on set uh I can't, oh I can't remember if I had that in the script or not but no I didn't and and it was it was a moment where I was kind of like this is what I'm thinking here so it, we're going to do this really slow and I want to milk this as much as possible and I love, love, love that it connected with you because I think in the moment when I was describing it to everybody, they were like, okay, right. It was like, all right, is that what you want to do? And, uh, I don't think we had any, um, I think it was a hard ask to, to say, I want more time in this little scene when we had to shoot all of that in four days in New York and just get it done. And I was like, hey, I've got this funny little idea. Bear with me. It's going to be long.
0: You know? <laughs> they trusted you enough, even as they were like, I'm not sure. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we're going to do it. Like,
2: yeah, I. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh, it's just reminding me that I love the Dixies, but I often think about. Frank Black coming to the rest of the band
1: and be like, on this song I want
0: you to go, and they be like, okay, for how long? just the whole song. Just do (laughs) (laughs) people. I mean, you have an idea, like I'll be like, "Um, I don't get it, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) If that's what you want, that's what we'll do. Right, that's a great thing, Uh, and and a great result. Really fun. Uh, You and I have talked. Forever like two comics will when they get to chatting. Uh, but it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Um tell us where we can find Undependent and uh and where we can find more Ray Harrington, all the stuff, the Facebook and the Instagram and
2: Yeah, sure. This has been so much fun. I and I I really have enjoyed it. Um uh not just because it's been a a wonderful um ego stroke uh to me and I, I appreciate that. I think in this time this climate i oh i needed it and i didn't even know i needed it but uh i, I it's just been wonderful to <laughs> get a chance to talk um, with you, you?
0: Crap? why did you do that shitty art so it's, it's nice for a change that's all
2: that i can compliment oh yeah thank you thank you so much and yeah but i uh, you know if uh if anybody wants to watch the show um it's a web series six episodes um and so your time commitment i think comes out to like 45 minutes uh, and you can see it at undependentshow.com. It's, uh, it's like independent with a U, uh, and it's all on YouTube as well. So you can find it, uh, on my YouTube channel as well. Um, beyond that, I'm on, uh, Twitter at Ray Harrington, Facebook, uh, you know, let's all just try and figure out a plan to tunnel out of there. Um, and then all the other fun things, uh, best places, Ray Harrington, Uh, That's got all the fun stuff there.
0: Cool. I have been. My OnlyFans. Oh, my
2: (laughs) OnlyFans. My (laughs) OnlyFans is Sweaty Flannel. Uh, So it's just OnlyFans, OnlyFans slash Sweaty Flannel. And uh, you can find me there.
0: Yeah. Don't mix it up with OnlyFans, which is where I sell my delicious flan that I
2: make. Oh, you caught, you caught my, my flub there. OnlyFans. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm 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 sharp. All right. I have been your host, Keith Lowell Jensen, my producer is Joe Honner. Our art for the uh, podcast was also done by Joe Honner. My editor and audio engineer is Jack Matrenga. Joe and Jack are with HyperPixel. HyperPixel is a production company with a focus on digital marketing and e-commerce, offering daily management of your website, social media accounts, and digital marketing campaigns. The music was done by DJ Real. And once again, thanks so much to our sponsor, Burley Beverages. Uh, Go visit them at burleybeverages.com K-L-J-Rules, spelled with a Z instead of an S, uh, will get you 15% off your order. And their stuff really is great. Uh, Good if you're making mixed drinks, but also if you have friends who don't drink or you don't drink, it's really nice to be able to make something different, something interesting. So order up some shrubs and some soda syrups from them. They're awesome. Local Sacramento Company, I love them. Uh, And lastly, if you haven't already, please go watch my comedy special, Not For Rehire, which is playing on Amazon Prime right now. I just got numbers back and it's thank you all so much It's been watched a lot it's been reviewed over a hundred times Got a, just a hair shy of a full five-star rating so uh thanks and if you haven't seen it yet please do i'm very proud of it uh and and lastly just thanks again ray harrington for spending this time with us it was really wonderful getting to chat
1: with you
2: thank you i uh, uh... Sentiments absolutely uh, uh, repeated back to you because I, I just have had so much fun talking with you, and it's been wonderful. And your special is fantastic. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's great.
0: Oh, thank you. I was fishing for that. All right. Good night. Yeah. <laughs>